Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. United Auto Workers on strike, but it's not a total shutdown. Today on the show, the latest from the American Legion and the Alliance for Retired Americans. Welcome to the Friday, September 15th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. Jeff Stouffer will be our first guest on the show today. Longtime supporter of America's Workforce, serves on behalf of the American Legion, Media and Communications Division Director, legion.org for complete updates. And one of the things we're going to start the show off with is suicide prevention. All week we've been focusing with various guests, really good guests. If you miss some of the shows, just go to awfpodcast.com. We had some really prolific speakers on this issue and we're going to continue this throughout the month of september because september is suicide prevention month the be the one campaign is the uh, campaign that the legion started last summer it was around may or june and uh, for good reason because a lot of vets have been taking their own lives at one point it was over 20 per day The last statistic I saw was around 17, so we figured let's talk about that. And also, there's a task force that the Legion put together to get vets involved in health care because there's a lot of open positions, especially in the VA. So we'll touch on that in the first segment. Then we're going to zero in on the upcoming edition of the American Legion magazine, and there's a heck of a good story about what's going on and what's not going on to restore confidence in our voting system in the United States of America. This is titled A Vote of No Confidence. Election officials fight to gain a trust of a divided electorate despite a marked absence of widespread voter fraud. Voter fraud is pretty much non-existent, but there's a lot of people that think that their vote does not count. So we'll zero in on that. Also, cybersecurity, a lot of jobs open in cybersecurity, somewhere between 60, maybe 65,000 jobs, and a lot of vets probably have the qualifications to get into cybersecurity, which could make you a lot of money. We'll throw some figures out later in the show on that. So uh, we'll touch on that. And also the American Legion Riders, went on a record note in fundraising for the Legion Legacy Scholarship Fund, raising $1.5 million plus, smashing last year's record by more than $200,000. And this goes for uh, scholarships to uh, uh, military members, many of them who uh, came back and started a family, and they've had some challenges in their life. So all good stuff. Legion.org is the... uh, is the update on all of these stories. Later in the show, we're going to go to a Rich Fiesta. Rich, of course, with the Alliance for Retired Americans, retiredamericans.org. Good news out of the Biden-Harris administration. You might have heard about this, but recently they unveiled a list of 10 prescription drugs that Medicare 
will negotiate lower prices for with drug corporations. Now, the drug companies aren't too happy about this. No, 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 no. They're taking this to court. And uh, there's a number of drugs here, very popular drugs, too, dealing with uh, high blood pressure, diabetes. We'll run down a couple of them with uh, Rich Fiesta on the show as our second guest. Now, a brief look into the world of labor. This segment brought to you by the good folks at Boyd Watterson Asset Management. You can find more at boydwaterson.com. Well, Detroit's big three automakers failed to reach a new labor agreement before their contract with employees represented by the United Auto Workers expired at midnight on Thursday, setting off one of the largest strikes to hit the U.S. in years. The union said it was executing a so-called stand-up strike strategy in which employees at a smaller number of Ford, General Motors, and Stellantis factories walked off the job. Now, the employees, the strikers, will be paid about $500 a week from the UAW strike fund, which has about $825 million in it as we speak. Sean Fain, UAW president, said in a Facebook Live address late last night, For the first time in our history, we will strike all three of the big three at once. He said three factories would be involved immediately. A GM assembly plant in Wentzville, Missouri, a Ford assembly plant in Wayne, Michigan, and a Stellantis assembly plant in Toledo, Ohio. 12,700 employees were involved in all. Fain said the locals that are not yet called to join the stand-up strike will continue working under an expired agreement. He also told CNN he does not expect any bargaining today, but the sides may come back to the table tomorrow. Maybe. Turns out that dozens of workers gathered outside the Ford plant in Wayne, this is in Michigan, as the midnight deadline approached, a mass rally was scheduled for this afternoon in downtown Detroit. Fain said, we will show our strength and unity on the first day of this historic action. All options remain on the table. The work stoppage marks the first strike at the Detroit automakers since workers walked out on GM. That was four years ago in 2019. Now, here's their demands. They seem to have tempered them a little bit. They've been talking about a uh, 46% pay increase over four years. Now it's reported to be 36%. Also, pension benefits for all employees, limited use of temporary workers, more paid time off, including a four-day work week, more job protections, including the right to strike over plant closings. Now, what's the reaction from the big three? Well, Ford said in a statement that... Uh, and this was at 8 p.m. last night at Solidarity House in Detroit, that the United Auto Workers presented its first substantive counter-proposal to Ford a few hours before the expiration of the current four-year collective bargaining agreement. That's when they must have tempered their demands. Well, after the strike was underway, Stellantis said it was extremely disappointed by the UAW's leadership and their refusal to engage in a responsible manner to reach a fair agreement In the best interest of our employees, their families, and our customers, we immediately put the company in contingency mode 
and will take all the appropriate structural decisions to protect our North American operations. That's, uh, that's Stellantis at GM. GM said we're disappointed by the leadership's actions despite the unprecedented economic package that GM put on the table. Although the big three have been unwilling to fulfill all of the union's demands, they contend they've made reasonable counteroffers and are willing to negotiate further in outlying their position. Automaker officials say they're under enormous pressure to keep costs and car prices low in order to compete with Tesla and foreign car makers. So I have to add one comment here, and this comes from Ford CEO Jim Farley. Where he got this figure is beyond me. Jim Farley said what their initial offer was is to pay our hourly workers $300,000 each and to work four days. That would basically put our company out of business. Although Fain acknowledged that the automakers had up their wage offers and proposals remain inadequate, he said Ford has offered 20% over four and a half years, while GM and Stellantis offered 18% and 17.5% over four years. According to some reports, if this strike goes on for some duration, it could cost automakers over $5 billion in profits. So we'll see what happens. Maybe they'll get back to the bargaining table. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to check in with Jeff Stouffer on behalf of the American Legion. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the U.S., US Canada, Canada, and, and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steel workers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at UAW.org. Union members need to be heard. Reliable and convenient union voting has never been more important than it is now. Make voting easy for your membership by working with survey and ballot systems. SPS offers encrypted and monitored solutions that ensure your elections are accurate and accessible for every member through mail-in, online, and in-person voting. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com and take the next step in getting secure and auditable elections. Hi, this is Liz Schuler, president of the AFL-CIO, and I am a huge fan of Flash and America's Workforce Radio and Podcast. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, 
back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter or X. That would be AWF Union Podcast. AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. Melissa Cropper, president of the OFT, will be on the show next Tuesday. Right now, though, let's go to Indianapolis, Indiana. Join one of our longtime contributors, Jeffrey Stouffer, on behalf of the American Legion for complete updates, legion.org. This is a segment we started, I believe it was in 2009. We preview the next month's edition of the American Legion, the October edition. But all this week, as you know, we've been focusing on suicide prevention because it's Suicide Prevention Week. In fact, September is Suicide Prevention Month, and we are going to do more segments on suicide prevention. In fact, uh, on Monday, we have one with the American Legion, and that is the individual who is responsible for the Be the One campaign. And right now, let's talk a little bit about that with Jeff Stouffer. Jeff, welcome back to the show. And uh, I, I went online last night, and I see the Be the One campaign started, it was a little over a year ago. I think it was June of last year. And uh, for very good reason that you started this because there's a lot of vets that have been taking their lives. At one point, I think it was over 20 per day. And I believe this campaign is having some good results. So welcome back to the show. If you don't mind, can you touch on this issue? Because uh, it's very, very important that we get the messaging out. Go ahead. Absolutely. The uh, the American Legion uh, established or, or, or set uh, what we call a mission focus in May of 2021 at the Indianapolis 500 when we announced that our all of our, 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 our primary thrust as an organization was to work to destigmatize the, the, the pursuit of mental health care and, um, and to, uh, you know, improve the veteran suicide rate, reduce the veteran suicide rate. And the concept became, was, was ultimately named Be the One, and that means that every one of us has a has a has a responsibility to be that one person to help one other veteran get the help that they need in a dignified way to uh get the mental health uh the resources are by and large there the problem is is a lot of veterans feel that seeking mental health uh, uh, treatment, that sort of thing, is going to be a stigmatizing uh, part of their lives. And we really are working hard to improve that landscape by having letting veterans know that they can communicate with us, they can communicate with uh, the VA, they can communicate with, with any one of a number of resources to actually get the help that they need and not... Um, you know, be isolated in this in this cause. So, be the one became a national campaign. It is our uh, we are driving it from coast to coast, all around the country, on racetracks all around the country. As we know, the our, our IndyCar um, that we sponsor, uh, Chip Ganassi Racing, has been driving all year long and for the last two years um, under the under that name, be the one. And uh, our driver Alex Pelot, uh just got the IndyCar Series Championship uh, sealed up last week. So it's been a we've gotten a lot of brand awareness, a lot of awareness about the 
mission, about the campaign, about the initiative. But most of all, it's about veterans understanding that they have um, places to turn and our members and those who can help them are responsible to help them, to, to get them through the process and not stigmatize mental health issues. You know, we uh, brought this subject up a couple of days ago. Jamie Becker is with Labor's International, and uh, they have uh, a specific division in Lyuna, Labor's International, dealing with uh, suicide in the construction industry, which is like four times higher than the general population. And they, too, followed your strategy, you know, adopting like a a celebrity. In your case, you said it was Chip Ganassi, and uh, they have a NASCAR driver that's involved so obviously that i mean that just adds to the messaging because people focus on that that's a big big sport in america today but it's important that uh, that we talk about the resources and that's what we've been concentrating on the show this week because there's tons of resources to help vets to help anybody that's contemplating suicide and i, I on your on this uh, campaign to be the one campaign if you google that there's a lot of information posted right there. Ask vets in your life how they're doing, number one, okay? Listen right. listen when a vet needs to talk and reach out when a veteran is struggling. And that's the point where you say it's, you know, it's okay not to be okay, you know? And, and that's the part that, that you really have, have to drive in and then drive to those resources that are out there. Be the one.org is a website. Now, the individual that works with you, what's his name? Henry Howard. He's he's going to be on the show yeah. on Monday, right? Right. He's a, he is he is uh, from our perspective. He's a he is driving the campaign um, to the national audience for our membership audience, and he's doing a tremendous job. He's covering a number of different events. We have a uh, uh, one of the things that we're doing right now is Operation Heal Arius. I think I've talked about this on the show where. Veterans are doing are using comedy to cope with um, some of their uh, mental health uh, troubles of, of the past, and of and it's all branded under the Be the One um, name. And it's and these comedy shows are it's a ten ten tour or ten stop comedy tour that ends in November. But it's been really great to get um, you know these veterans. It's all veterans, veteran comedians talking candidly and kind of opening up and they talk about how the, how therapeutic that's been. As you know, we have worked diligently in the area of PTSD and TBI um, treatment. And, you know, for those who've, uh, who have uh, dealt with the effects of military sexual trauma, um, we have made that literally our, our highest priority. Um, this is, we, we know, like you talk about with the construction industry, we know that suicide is a major issue across the country, but veterans still, um, you know, statistically are high, at higher risk than others in society, as are, as, as I just learned, construction workers. You know, and, and you know, we have to, you know what, there is a lot going on in society right now, but this, this uh, this suicide rate is, I think, one of the most alarming and troubling issues facing America, and that's what you know the American Legion has historically always done is leaned into some of these bigger problems, and we want to work to solve them. You know, I want to remind people right now while we're on the line on this topic that if people are having you know an issue, that they can dial nine eight eight and then press one. That's the Veterans Crisis Line, and talk to somebody. Um, 
There's also a chat um, mechanism and a text, 838-255, for those who are in, in need. A lot of resources, like we said, a lot of stuff there they need to be taken advantage of, especially in a time of crisis. There's a segue to all of this about the healthcare career portal that the task force movement has been working on. I guess they started this and they're, they're adding on to it. Can you explain what's going on here, Jeff? Yeah, that was one of the one of the developments of our at our national convention, which we just completed in Charlotte, our 104th national convention which was uh, had a big variety of <clears throat> events and activities. And we've talked about, you know, we've talked on the show before about the military recruiting crisis. We've talked before about the, about quality of life among those who are serving in the active duty armed forces right now. But one of the issues that we've really been leaning into is, and with great uh, support from a variety of stakeholders, industry, um, uh, government agencies, other veteran service organizations, the Pentagon, the White House, and task force movement is sort of a consortium of everybody who, who has a stake in accelerating uh, veterans who are kind of in that last six months before they discharge and even in the, in the immediate months following discharge so that they can move quickly into these industries that are in need of workers. And what what the in, at, our, at our national convention in Milwaukee in our hundred and third last summer, uh, task force movement added to its portfolio. They previously opened this up and said that they want they wanted to help solve the, the basically the, the supply chain issue by accelerating veterans into trucking jobs. You know where we have this eighty thousand trucker shortage and going in the wrong direction. And so that's been working in a lot of states that we've, we've been covering that on the show. Then they added, um, uh, in, in August of, of, uh, of 2022, they added cybersecurity as a portal. And they're working with the industry, industries with great need in, in cybersecurity to fast track veterans with security clearances into careers in cybersecurity. And then, um, at our national convention, just that we just completed our 104th task force movement, which is led by Patrick Murphy. He was the first Iraq war veteran. He was elected to Congress. Um, he is the chairman of task force movement and his, and the message is that, is that now we've had enough success to, you know, to, to fast track these veterans into these industries that they're going to work in the healthcare um, arena. And, We've talked before on the show, too, that one of the top legislative priorities, top priorities as the nation for the American agent is to is to improve the recruitment and retention of VA nurses and VA healthcare professionals and specialists. And, you know, there's, as you know, there's a big, huge variety of different career paths in healthcare, but we have a healthcare, we have a healthcare shortage of healthcare professionals. And I think it was really exacerbated by COVID, you know, when we had so much pressure on those heroes who work in our nation's healthcare facilities, VA and non-VA. And the task force movement is really making a new thrust to add the healthcare um, industry into its program, which works, you know, some of the things that they do are scholarships so that you can, you know, close the gap on needed credentials. Um, 
getting states and uh, accrediting agencies to accept military training hours as credits toward licenses. Um, and really, I think, again, building awareness in the military and veteran community that these jobs are available to you. They pay well. They have good benefits. And they're purpose-driven. And those are kind of some key points for um, veterans, especially the post-9-11 generation. Sure. You know, we've done a number of shows on the difficulty of getting jobs filled in the VA because the process is very cumbersome, very cumbersome. They are making strides in uh, in speeding that up, and uh, we've been addressing that on the show. Much of that has to do with uh, one of our sponsors here, the American Federation of Government Employees. They've been very proactive on trying to right. get things to happen a little quicker over there at the VA. They've got like 50,000 50, professionals that they need right now that's that's how many that's how many minimum uh, yeah yeah minimum minimum that they need right away like tomorrow jeff stouffer joining us on our live line today he is with the american legion Legion legion.org for complete updates when we come back we'll zero in on the october edition we'll talk about a lack of confidence maybe no confidence in voting big issue big issue in america Latest on cybersecurity and American Legion scholarship doing real well because of what the Legion has been doing. Later in the show, we'll uh, check in with Rich Fiesta on behalf of the Alliance for Retired Americans, where he serves as executive director. Back in a few minutes. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrens. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council, consisting of eight ironworker local unions in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. We build the skylines and bridges along the Great Lakes. With more work than ever before, the Great Lakes District Council is actively searching out the next great ironworker. Whether it's building the next Intel plant or constructing a bridge to safely connect our great cities along the lake. So join the Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council today. Find out how and learn more about the council by visiting IWDistrictCouncil.com. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit SurveyAndBallotSystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. 
America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. Let's go back to our live line, rejoin Jeff Stouffer on behalf of the American Legion. Now we're going to zero in on the upcoming October edition. If you're a member of the Legion, you should be getting it in your mailbox shortly. Story I want to talk about here, vote of no confidence. This is a national issue, and uh, there's a lot of people, well, there's still a lot of people think that Biden is not our president. The, it was a rigged election, and uh, it's um, it's pretty prevalent all around America right now. Alan Greenblatt did this story. And, uh, Jeff, why don't you share some of the uh, the highlights of what he uncovered here? Go ahead. Well, so what we were what we were trying to do pretty well in advance of the 2024 presidential election was to kind of lay, the, lay out the landscape. And what has been, number one, was obviously the, the controversies and the, everything that went on with the 2020 election about different states, different uh, methodologies for election ballot processing and, and, uh, and on how, you know, how they handle absentee ballots, how they handle electronic um, balloting and how, and how that's all kind of created a kind of a firestorm of criticism and what they had done. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the, the, what, what we've discovered is as we've gone through this is very little, very little evidence of any, you know, fraud or cheating or anything like that. And yet the American public still, um, only about 44% of the American public believes that the 2024 election will be accurately counted. The, 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 the votes will be accurately counted. And, you know, you look at it state by state, and of course we saw this across the country. Every state it seemed had a different, a complete different mechanism for how they how they managed the elections, and then also you know how they later on as after, in the aftermath of it all, the steps that they took to you know improve um, integrity and really trust in the process, and that's what Alan Greenblatt explores, I think, pretty even handedly across this piece, and so we had to be very very cognizant that you know we have members and veterans who are who are certainly on both sides of the of the of the political spectrum who have you know strong opinions about it and have and have been you know uh very concerned about the integrity of the election system and again you 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 know you look at what 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 steps have been taken based on the activities of 2020 and even earlier elections you know you go back to the hanging chad of of the of the of the 2000 election, you remember the George W. Bush and oh, yeah. the and the and that the, the Florida votes that were separated by just a few hundred, and they and and the and he explores this I think with a, with a, with a pretty broad lens, and it's really interesting that a lot of you know um, a lot of the Republican um, um, officials and and you know uh, late leaders. Are talking about the steps that they've taken and the and the fact that they are they have worked to to uh, you know strengthen the voter confidence and it's not just a it's not just a Democrat Republican issue but we go into some of the some of the red versus blue issues that are related to it but again when 
when we have, you know, this high percentage of Americans who don't trust the process, don't trust the results, it strikes us as a as an organization that makes getting out the vote a very high priority. Um, it strikes us as something that we need to really keep addressing and, and never stop addressing. You know, um, he goes into the one of the things that um, Alan goes into as a sidebar is that the the mail voting, mail balloting, was really invented been through through military. The military was in the War of eighteen twelve when the first um, mail ballots were allowed, and that was just to allow the soldiers to vote from the field. Um, and it was uh, it's it's been a you know mail ballots, electronic ballots. Um, absentee ballots, you know, the concept of should all should absentee ballots all be co- counted before Election Day. And I think that Alan makes the point at the end that, you know, the American public needs to be able to go to bed on election night knowing who their president's going to be. And it sure. shouldn't be all hung up. And that's when, the, the you know, you know, as well as I do, in those days after the election, when there's contested elections, that's when the you know, the vitriol begins and, and it usually goes on for days until it's all confirmed. And, you know, I don't, I, I guess, I guess what we were trying to do is lay out the kind of complicated landscape with electronic registration, electronic balloting, what states allow it, what states don't allow it. And across the country, when we're talking about a federal election, all of those individual states with different processes, you know, creates a galaxy of, you know, of, of, of variables um, mm-hmm. heading into an election. And I think that that's what we're trying to get, what we were trying to address. And, you know, is there a, is there a, is there a model? Is there a different model for federal elections? I think that that's a question that we might be thinking about, but the key is with this low confidence, it's a vote of low confidence or no confidence in our, in our election system, you know, restoring that confidence is super important right now. You know. Boy, and you've got some numbers on that in the article when you when you talk of no confidence, 44 percent, 44 percent of Americans say they are confident that votes will be counted accurately in 2024. That's it. Less than half the American public, 44 percent. So 56 percent have no confidence when you take a look at it that way. A uh, really good article, really good article. And you, it also touches on the fact that um, there's a lot of people. Well, they need people to run elections, to volunteer. Well, they get paid for it, but um, then they get threatened if the vote doesn't turn out properly. And 30%, I think there's a figure here, 30%, that's the number of local election officials who say they have been abused, harassed, or threatened because they're doing their civic duty. Yeah. Scary stuff even, here. Even, even death threats. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it was, and this was a, you know, I, you, you know, we, 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 we went down this road um, in, in 2020 when, when everything was, you know, so chaotic and it and, and the, the people who were trying to like perform their civic duty or perform the service were the ones who were sort of targeted and, and, you know, accused. And it was, you know, again, you can go across all of the different, you know, investigations and studies and things like that, but there was virtually no evidence that this occurred, that these, right. this, um, you know, so. 
Very dangerous rhetoric out there. And uh, Alan Greenblatt did a great job. If you would be so kind after the show, set me up with his uh, contact information. I'd like to uh, pick his brain on this, uh, this article. That would be good for another segment. Let's, uh, let's move on to cybersecurity here. This one is titled Our, Luna- Our Uniforms and Then Our Suits, authored by Laura Edwards. And uh, talk to me about this. Apparently, cybersecurity, big issue, very important field. And we need some help in there, right? Yeah, we've got just like just like trucking. You know, task force movement has made this move to uh, to find the you know to you, to help drive veterans into these areas of critical shortage. And cybersecurity is at a critical state in shortage. I think that there is a I've seen quotes of up to seven hundred thousand vacancies across the industry. Um, across the various industries, and about 60,000 jobs are available right now in government um, for people to work in cybersecurity. And veterans, a lot of veterans, may not even realize that they're qualified on the basis of their security clearances. And we're trying to, uh, you know, uplift the, the, the idea that careers in cybersecurity are available, and you don't have to be a, uh, a highly trained, skilled, educated computer programmer um, in order to pursue those. But you do need credentials and you do need licenses. You do need, you do need training. And, and, and what we're trying to do is, is see what we can do to work with industry to get scholarships and uh, easier pathways for veterans to pursue careers in cybersecurity because it's a, it's a national security issue without question, you know, as well as I do, we've got so many um, concerns about, you know, China, um, for instance, these uh, getting into our information and our data and hacking into our systems, you know, this is the, this is a, this is a, this is a war front in a, in a sense, cybersecurity. It's less just like, just like military security. It's just going to, it's going to, and it's going to increase. In, in over time, but I think veterans have a have a unique position, and they're uniquely poised to fill those positions. Those vets that are listening to the show right now, I'm going to throw out a salary one hundred twelve thousand dollars. One hundred twelve thousand dollars. That's the median annual salary of a cybersecurity professional. This is according to the National Initiative for Cybersecurity Careers and Studies. That's a, that's a nice chunk of change there. And and they may have the credentials to fulfill what's needed for that position. That's the medium, so it could be a whole lot more than that. Yeah, and a lot of this has to do with, you know, a lot of people who serve in the military don't realize that what their MLS, their military occupational um, specialty was, can convert into industry needs. It's just how do you translate what you did in the military to what you're going to do. Um, in a civilian career and cyber is one of them. And like I say, you don't need to be a computer programmer to work in cybersecurity necessarily, but you do need training and you need to be trained up in, in, in various areas. But what t- task force movement is doing is trying to get connections between the military and veteran community and industry where those needs can be met. Apprenticeship.gov is another website you might want to go to, and it lists all the uh, cybersecurity apprenticeships in high demand right now. Apprenticeship.gov. All right, uh, some congratulations in order here because of what the American Legion, specifically the Legion Riders, did 
in fundraising for the Legacy Scholarship Fund. You got to be pretty proud about this, Jeff. I'm going to let you uh, explain what happened here. Well, every year the um, the American Legion at going into our our national convention does a uh, what we call the legacy run, and we usually go from a a location, sometimes Indianapolis, sometimes someplace else. But we'll go about they go about 1,200 miles or thereabouts every year, heading to our national convention city, and it's a big event at our national convention where the Legion riders line up and they deliver um, funds that they have raised throughout the year and on along the way and this year they they had over 1.5 million dollars in donations that they were able to collect and and raise in order to fund the American Legion scholarship American Legion legacy scholarship which is used to help uh the children of of military personnel and veterans who are 50% or greater disabled with college. And, you know, we've also, uh, in addition to this, you know, $1.5 million record-breaking, you know, uh, contribution to the fund, this last May, the our, our National Executive Committee approved and reviewed, we had, we, we, we delivered one, I think it was $1.4 million in scholarships. And these scholarships go to these kids. And, you know, you, you think about the cost of college and the, and the issues. There are scholarships and there are funds available for uh, the children who have of, of military personnel who have been killed or, or, or disabled since 9-11. Disabled veterans are probably not as they don't have as many opportunities. But at the end of the day, I mean, I've just sent I've sent two kids through college in the last 10 years. And it is. No matter what scholarship you've got, you're, you're you're looking at you're looking at you're you're thinking second mortgage right now. It's gonna be it's a challenge, and I and I uh, I I just want to applaud our American Legion writers. They have American Legion writers have raised well over uh, 15, fifteen million dollars over the years to fund this foundation, this fund, so that it has lasting power to really serve not just today's generation, but the future uh, of, of young people who are trying to pursue new, new lives, new careers after something tragic happens to a parent who has been um, either killed or severely disabled. I feel your pain, my brother. I feel your pain. (laughs) Hey, not only not, I have four daughters. Okay. Not only did I pay for their college, I had to pay for their weddings, okay? <laughs> so, uh, don't don't even tell me about that. That's got to be coming up soon. <laughs> I'm done, though. I'm done. I'm, I'm paying them off still, but I'm done. No more weddings. I say after four, no more. That's it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's a lot. Jeff I, I, keep, I, keep, I keep telling my kids, what's wrong with the backyard? I think the backyard is a perfect venue. <laughs> You can pretty it up a little bit, you know. Why I'll not, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Legion.org for complete updates. You take care, my friend. We'll talk to you next month, okay? Thanks, Flash. Good to be on. All right. Rich Fiesta is with the Alliance for Retired Americans. He is coming up next. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Layuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Layuna, the Laborers International Union of North America. 
delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. A great union requires a reliable election system. Survey and Ballot Systems is a trusted election partner with more than 30 years of expertise in managing union elections. By partnering with SBS, your union can ensure it gets an auditable process and a high level of customer service. SBS is here to help you conduct your union vote securely, transparently, and with trust building always in mind. Visit SurveyAndBalladSystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at Teamster.org. You cannot change the business model as much as it has changed and not expect the contract to change too. It's crazy. If we don't stand tall right now, we are all going to be in trouble. We are all going to be replaced by machines. So the jig is up, AMPTP. You have to wake up and smell the coffee. Let's go. You share the wealth because you cannot exist without us. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at voidwaterson.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part... By the United Labor Agency, ulagency.org is their website. Let's go to uh, line number two right now. Welcome one of our longtime regulars, Mr. Richard Fiesta, who serves as executive director of the Alliance for Retired Americans. Do check out their national website. Growing in membership every day because America's population is getting older, and they're signing up with the Alliance, retiredamericans.org. Today we're going to talk about prescription drugs and what the Biden-Harris administration unveiled in a list of 10 prescription drugs that Medicare will negotiate lower prices for with the drug corporations. And the drug corporations aren't happy about this. They're taking this to court. But mind you, a study, this is from 2021 by the Rand Corporation. Rand Corporation found that drug prices average 2.5 times higher in the U.S., than in 32 other countries. For name brand drugs, U.S. prices were 3.44 times those incomparable nations. We have a drug problem in the United States, a drug pricing problem, to be specific. Rich Fiesta, I know you've been on this issue for a long time. You've got to be happy with the, what came out of the White House. I'm going to let you take it from there. Go ahead. Yes, as you know, Flash, we've been fighting for Medicare drug negotiations since 2003 when a Republican Congress and President George W. Bush um, signed the Medicare Part D law, which privatized part of Medicare, and said to drug 
companies, you get free reign and said to Medicare and our taxpayers, you can't negotiate. So we're grateful that the Inflation Reduction Act last year finally gives Medicare the ability to negotiate, and they came out with their 10 list of um, drugs. And here we are. The drug companies have to tell Medicare whether or not they'll participate. It's a big market for them by October 1st, and we'll see what happens. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, Americans pay the highest drug prices in the world. That hasn't happened by accident. It's gone on now for 20 years, and we're at the precipice of reining that in. Rich, for the life of me, I can't figure this out because the Veterans Administration does have the ability to negotiate prices. Um, why are, Why is this so difficult? Is because of that, maybe? Because they're not getting enough money out of... Those who go to the VA, they want to make sure they get it from other seniors. Is that the case here? Why, why, why is this even happening? Yeah, because they can um, more than anything else. You know, it, it's a saying around the country, especially in Washington, there were more lobbyists for the pharmaceutical industry than there are members of Congress by about three to one. So it's been money. Uh, it's been greed. And uh, we're just not going to put up with it. I mean, we at the Alliance for Retired Americans, we send people to Canada to have press conferences about how much the same drugs are cheaper there under a negotiated system. Uh, we've shown up in members of Congress offices, we've testified, we've marched, and now we're ready to see this through. If you would be so kind, there's a number of uh, drugs that are on the list. Uh, one of them gets a lot of commercial play, Eliquis. And uh, some of these I can't even pronounce. Well, Genuvia, I guess that one is pretty pretty easy to pronounce. But can you run down some of these drugs? I guess they're very, very popular among seniors. Um, popular because seniors need to take them. Uh, and they're drugs that uh, occur more frequently needed in an older population. A lot of them are related to blood clotting or diabetes, and you see them on television practically every day. Uh, but Eliquis and Xarelto, um are used to treat blood clots. Uh, Chardians, Genuvia, as you mentioned, uh, Phyregia, you see those. They're uh, diabetes treatment. Uh, it's just a, a, an amazing number uh, that they're being charged, that people are being charged. Uh, for these drugs, uh, but those are maybe the five most common of the uh, top ten. Now, Medicare, these are obviously people on Medicare would be get under Part D, would be getting these drugs. And um, I'm just wondering, because there's a timetable for Medicare and Social Security. Um, it's in the 2030s. I don't have the exact figure in front of me right now. But as far as the solvency of Medicare, wouldn't this, if they can negotiate lower drug prices, it's going to help Medicare, correct? Am I assuming oh, this correctly? Right. That's right. I mean, no question about it, uh, that what Medicare pays out uh, to insurance companies and to um, beneficiaries would definitely be lower because of um, just simple lower negotiated prices, just like in the rest of a free market economy. Now, here come the drug makers. I'm reading eight lawsuits have been filed by the drug makers, and keep in mind, too, these, these prices, these negotiated prices, if it happens, won't take effect until 2026. 
But what's the status of the court case on this, Rich? Well, as you mentioned, there are eight of them, six by pharmaceutical corporations, one by pharma, their big lobby, and the other by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, where, not surprisingly, many pharmaceutical companies pay their bills and belong to uh, every year. Um, They're in different parts of the country, different states, some uh, most recently filed, uh, others that have been in for a few months. But a federal judge in Ohio this coming Friday um, uh, will hear oral arguments on the Chamber of Commerce motion to halt the whole program by October 1st. I mean, that would be an extraordinary thing if it happened. So we're going to see over the next few weeks and months, these cases move along. At the same time, Medicare beginning the process under the law to enter into negotiations starting October 1st, and that will um, happen until the springtime when um, the negotiation session data getting from the pharmaceutical companies will begin. Uh, So we'll have two parallel things going on at the same time. Okay, just a couple of minutes left here, Rich. Anything new on Social Security? I, I know we've got a couple of politicians that want to shut down the government after they just got back from a month-long vacation. Uh, I, I know I know this just just confuses so many people of what's going on in the politics of America today, but is Social Security anywhere in the discussion at this point? Uh, well, Social Security, uh, we need to expand it. Um, there's no question about that. Uh, the trustees say there's funding for full benefits through 2033-34. So Congress needs to do something. We at the Alliance have been doing great work, I think, through the number of years saying simple things like scrap the cap. Um, The big news on Social Security is in the coming weeks, we'll see what the COLA is for next year. And it's being estimated to be around 3%. So maybe by the next time we talk flash, we'll know exactly what that is as well. Okay, real good. Rich Fiesta, Executive Director of the Alliance for Retired Americans, website retiredamericans.org. And you can also check them out on Facebook, Retired Americans. Real simple there. You take care, my friend. We'll talk to you next month. Okay, brother? You bet. See you then. All right. That'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Coming up on Monday, we got more on suicide prevention on the Be the One campaign on behalf of the American Legion and the latest from the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful weekend. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.